0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there.
1: I did do a show for the CIA. That is not a joke. I did a show for the CIA at CIA headquarters. And they, they were so fun. I mean, Half of it was just, I did jokes about what it took to get this gig, you know, and all the different stuff I had to go through and their 27 page contract as their government. And the funniest thing is, they're not allowed to use their phones at CIA headquarters. Hilarious. They, they, as weird as that sounds, they are not allowed to use their phones. So this was like the most attentive audience <laughs> that I have had. It was just
0: hot breath. What's goodie, Hot Breathiverse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. And the past two weeks on this show. We have been talking about how to produce your own comedy special. I gave you my first-hand experience in producing my own special, The Trophy Husband, linked in the description of this episode if you'd like to go support that. But now we're getting into another side of the comedy business, and that is corporate comedy. I get asked questions all the time about how to get into corporate comedy. What does that life even look like? Is it for me? How does that compare to being a stand-up comedian on the road? What does the money look like, et cetera, et cetera. And I've shared my own personal experience doing corporate comedy, but I wanted to bring in one of the most well-known corporate comedians in the game to give you all the answers you need to whether or not you want to get in the corporate world or if you do want to get into corporate comedy, what does that actually look like and how to actually do it. This Q&A was done during the pandemic as I was doing Q&A's almost every day, it seemed like. So I'm so excited to finally unearth this interview because it is going to be a super valuable resource that is really going to change your approach to becoming a professional comedian. So without further ado, there is only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath with Greg Schwimm. This guy's been in the game over 30 years. He's been in the corporate market over 25 years. He's worked uh, literally like every company you can think of. This guy has worked with all the way to the CIA even. So uh, we're gonna be learning a lot today and hopefully not to end up on a list somewhere. But uh, in the meantime, please welcome to the Hot Breathiverse, the one and only Greg Schwim, ladies and gentlemen. Wake it up. Give it up for Greg. Yay. Thank you very much, Joel. Thanks for having me. Greg, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know we we got to meet a little bit beforehand talking, but um, I want to get right into this because I'm at a point in my career where I've been working hard at the show side of show business Mm -hmm. and... I'm at a point now where I've, I've worked the road a lot. I've built a headlining set. Like I feel comfortable on stage and now I'm like, Oh, where's the money? And, um, the corporate world seems to be like a great place to do it. If you can get in there. So like, could you kind of trace? Cause I saw you're also on evening at the improv as well. So it seemed like you had a trajectory right. to get I into did. there. So what, what's kind of your, could you kind of trace your comedy journey from like where you started to kind of how you started to get into this market?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I started out when I quit my job. Uh, I was a a newspaper and then a TV reported down in South Florida. This was back in uh, the late eighties. And I did comedy on the side. Um, and I always thought it would be just something I would do on the side, but eventually I quit that because I just wanted to pursue this. And so that's what I did. And I was, I was your typical club comic. I was, I was working the road and in my car and doing the the creative dates and the Tom Sobel dates for those who've been in a game for a while and the funny bones and all those circuits. Um, and, but I wasn't making a lot of money at that, shockingly, um, but I, I know I'm a horrible negotiator, but uh, so what I did is I, I live in Chicago and I hooked up with this company. I, I, I became friends with a lot of other people in, um, uh, in the comedy scene, a lot of Second City people. And one of them told me about this company called Live Marketing. And they said, what they do is they, they script trade show presentations for, uh, for live trade shows. If you ever, if you've ever been on a trade show floor, sometimes you see people with like a headset microphone giving the same spiel twice an hour about a new car or a new computer or something like that. So they said, you know, they were, they're always looking for writers for these things. So I said, you know, I, I, I hooked up with them and they said, would you like to write for us? And I said, yeah. And I said, what about performing? What about actually being the narrator? And they said, well, you know, let's see what you can do and so forth. And can you memorize a a big, long technical script? And I was able to. So I started doing those. And being on the trade show floor, I learned so much about corporate America. And most importantly, I learned how to make people in the corporate sector laugh in a very short amount of time. Because these presentations were like five to seven minutes. And I started writing material based on what I was seeing on trade show floors um, about, you know, computers and things like that. And, and, you know, new, the new windows operating system at the time, you know, Bill Gates was the bomb. This was like the mid nineties and windows 95 had just come out and that kind of stuff. So I started doing this in my, in my comedy club act. And I would have people come up to me after shows and they would say, Hey man, you know, that joke you did about that bit about being on hold with tech support was you know hilarious and would you come down to our office and do that bit and anything else you could do because we're having this offsite meeting and and I was like an off what is an offsite meet I don't even know what that is um again coming from journalism you don't get invited to these 3 day 4 day conferences and so forth so i this was a whole new world for me and i started to do these and get hired by companies and there's a little network in there and then you know you get a little demo together and so forth. It shows you in a corporate setting. And eventually I hooked up with a, an agent here in Chicago and that's exclusively what he did was he booked entertainers, um, not just comedians, impressionists, singers, he had a whole stable for corporate events. And it opened, I, I'm like, I didn't know this even went on. And uh, so I, I kind of backdoored my way into it. So I, and I had a lot of help. I had a lot, I, I still, we, we don't work together anymore but we're still good friends and I owe him an awful lot, but really it was just basically being in that environment, which is what allowed me to get into corporate.
0: So is, is that the name of the game is like, you need some sort of like connection, like an agent or something to really get momentum in like
1: the corporate world. I think it certainly helps uh, well, but that's true in, I mean, that's true of any kind of show business. Don't you think Joel? Yeah. I mean, it, it part of it is it's not what you know, it's who you know. And if you could get referrals and so forth, because it is a very tough market to crack, uh, and getting tougher all the time, really. And uh, um, I, I I got lucky that somebody did a lot of the work for me in terms of getting me in front of these big companies. Now, and from then though, it was trial and error. And uh, I'll it'd be the first one to admit my my first few shows uh, did not go well. Uh, and he stuck my agent stuck with me. And kind of schooled me in what to say, what not to say, how to present yourself, because it's a whole different. That's one thing that I think a lot of comedians who do corporates, a mistake they make. You, I don't think you can necessarily take your comedy club act and bring it in as is to a corporate setting. Uh, I, I don't think that works. And uh, sometimes you have to find that out the hard way.
0: What is like, I always ask comedians, like their worst bombing story. Like what is the corporate gigs can notoriously be. I mean, i performed
1: at like luncheons. Yes. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nine in the morning. I mean, I rarely do evening shows. That's about, I would say after dinner type of engagements are about 10% of what I do. Most of them are uh, morning kickoffs, luncheons. kind of thing. It comes with its own set of challenges, but it also is, it's kind of nice when the audience isn't liquored up too. you know, know?
0: um, what's your,
1: but but, but the worst, I think the worst bomb I ever did. And it wasn't, it was what it was. I I still sort of, you hate to, you hate to blame somebody else for this. Usually, you know, when you bomb it's, it's, you've got to take some of the blame, Mm. but what happened is I was doing a show for IBM and they had told me, I always ask you know, are there certain topics you want me to talk about? Are there certain things? And, and the one guy said to me, he said, well, he says, if you just mention the matrix, just mention the matrix, that's going to be funny. I go with the matrix. He goes, well, it's this new hiring system that we've instituted. And, um, you know, just it's funny. And I thought, OK, I, I couldn't find anything about it online, but I wrote some like matrix, the movie jokes and so forth. So I'm doing my set and I, it's going great. Don't get me wrong. It's going very well. And about 20 minutes in, I say, well, let's talk about how you all got here through the Matrix. And the minute I said it, you could just if it's possible to hear an entire audience's like butt cheeks just (laughs) slap together. I heard it. And it was very obvious that whatever the Matrix was, was not popular. I, I still don't know what it was, but it was it was not a thing that these people uh were excited about and i could tell and the show just crashed and burned after that and uh, there was no going back and and i didn't know enough about it to really recover and i i you know and i and i and they they sort of apologized afterwards they you know they're like well you know we we thought it was funny and well, you know, and I thought, well, don't you, three of you thinking it's funny is not the same as 300 of you thinking it was funny. <laughs> so, I mean, I just was like, you know, you, 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 you don't want to be a jerk and go, well, you know, thanks a lot. I just said, OK, well, you know, live and learn. Thanks. You know, it was fun. That kind of thing. But it was it was a very uncomfortable show that that's for sure.
0: How long into your set was that moment?
1: how long it was probably about at the the midpoint probably about oh. 50 i think i was doing 45 and i think it was at about at the 20 i typically what i do cuz i do customize and typically the way i structure my set is i will do some customized material off the top right away and then mm. i'll kind of go into stuff that i know works and then when i know i have them then i might then i'll probably drop in some more uh, customized material and then try and end big with something that again, just, just like we all do, just like you do in a club. You want to save that, you know, if, if you're doing new material, uh, in a club set, you're probably going to stick it in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to start strong. You're going to end strong and you're going to work in the middle of your set. And then corporate is no different. Yeah.
0: I saw you offer that is like custom shows. What is, mm-hmm. what is your approach to that? I did one, roast I did a roast this was early in my career I did a roast a surprise roast for a guy's 40th birthday party in his garage and like I was talking (laughs) I'm sorry wait a minute who
1: books that gig (laughs) I (laughs) I think (laughs) they went out of business (laughs) we can take this offline Joel I don't want everybody just honing in on that one okay so good keep going oh yeah
0: I printed out like I had a printout of, like, him and, like, his CPAP machine. It was a whole thing. It actually went surprisingly well. Okay. But I was talking to his friends and family, gathering information and writing a custom show. Mm-hmm. But, like, what is your approach? Because I think that could be a differentiator for comics if they do offer yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, when, when you say a custom show, that's a bit of a stretch. I, I can't write an entire show. I can't do 45 new minutes all the time. Right. Um, So... But when I say I customize, I mean, I put enough material in there about the organization where they know. I think it's important that they they need to know that you're not doing the same show. Um, I mean, I have seen so many speakers that you can just tell it's a canned presentation. And I, I, the one thing about corporate audiences, they are smart. They're not stupid people. They know when they're being lied to. They know when they're being talked mm-hmm. down to. And they know when you're phoning one in. Um, and I think that if you give off that impression, even if it's not something you're trying to do, even if it's by mistake, they, uh, they won't necessarily turn on you, but they will, um, they, they, they will tune you out. So what would be
0: your advice for, let's say me, who is like, who's been doing comedy, who, who headlines now, um, done some corporate, some churches, some colleges, like, I'm a clean comedian too. Like my, that's huge. Yeah. My goal is like, I want to be entertaining grandkids to grandparents at my Mm -hmm. shows, you know? Right. So, but, uh, I would also like to be getting paid as well. And so would my uh, wife as well on the other side of that (laughs) door and my eight children. Yeah, I have a dog right now on a plant. That's as crazy as it gets. Uh, But like, what would be, what would be your advice for
1: me? Like, I I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is video. And, and also not just video, but video in a corporate setting. And, and, and now that's the chicken and egg thing. You know, How do you get video in a corporate setting? You, know, you can't book corporate gigs until you get a video and you can't get a video until you book a corporate gig. Um, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm always on the hunt for good video. I'm constantly looking for it and trying to say, you know, are you recording this show? And can you put another camera in and that kind of thing? Um, but I think if you... It goes back to what I'm just like you, just like you can't, I don't think you can do your club act in a corporate setting. I don't think you can produce your club. I don't care if you're killing, just kicking ass at, you know, at at the the, the improv or something, you're still at the improv. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, no matter how good you think your set is, and I'm sure it was great. It's not the same. Um, I, I think you would, you would be better served to have to know it's a corporate setting uh, maybe have the company logo. Some, you know, you're on a stage where it's their logo behind you, so they know you didn't trick it up, and uh, um, and 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 then also show that you can talk about them. Show that you can talk about the group that you're working for. That would be my advice. How
0: much, how much custom material are you doing? Like 45 minute show? Is it like five, 10 minutes up top? And then you go I would in say between 10 and 15, 10 and 15. Probably. And you're just like Googling the company,
1: just getting information. Are you talking to anyone or it's oh, just all of that? Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing all of that. I, I Google I me. Mean, I, I could not, I'll tell you one thing I could not do any of this without the internet. I mean, and I started this, I started doing corporate gigs when the internet really was in its kind of in its infancy. God, that dates me, doesn't it? I mean, wow. that sounds like I'm about 80 years. Well, you were uh, evening
0: at the Improv in 88, I believe, which is 80, when yes. I was born. Actually,
1: I did evening at the Improv in 91. Yes, oh, and it was 91, there was no, and there was no internet. Uh, there <laughs> wasn't. You know, <laughs> there was also nobody in the audience doing this. But, <laughs> exactly. You know, so it was a nice trade-off. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it is amazing. It is amazing what you can find out there online about companies. And just, uh, um, I, I think that one thing I found, I, I do believe companies, I do believe corporate audiences do love to laugh at themselves. It might take them, them a little bit, but, and if that means you, you kind of show them why you're poking fun at them through, I found this online, it's great. I always say, sometimes I'll do jokes where I found something online and if it, if it doesn't get a if it gets a big laugh or it doesn't get a laugh, I can just say, you know, the great thing about doing what I do is I don't write my material. You write it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm just copying and pasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. You brought
0: up the Internet because Bob Kirk just asked. He kind of did a two parter. Uh, have you found the corporate gigs have dropped off in the current environment and are you transitioning to Zoom
1: corporate shows, the pros. What are the pros and cons of that? Yeah, well, obviously, yes the the corporate corporate comedy took a ma- just like club comedy did, but it took a major hit because live events came to a complete standstill. Hotels weren't open, which means all of these events had to be canceled. And uh, yeah, so I, Bob, it's a great question, and, and I I did I did transition to Zoom gigs because it was the only thing that was going. And um, I'm sure everybody who does this for a living probably had to do the same thing. We've all done. You've done Zoom gigs, haven't you, Joel?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. They're
1: they're very challenging. And uh, are they fun? Briefly, (laughs) briefly when they're over, (laughs) that's right. And when the money's been wired exactly, uh, you know, uh, it's so funny. I, I will come, you mentioned your wife, I will come out of my office sometimes after doing a zoom gig, and my wife will say, How'd that go? and I'll go. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know exactly. You no, know? they, they they looked engaged. Um, the ones who had their microphones on and their cameras open, but exactly. uh, you know that kind of thing. So yeah, I did transition. Uh, but I I do believe also as live events start coming back, I am hopeful, not a hundred percent confident, but I'm hopeful that. Humor is going to have a resurgence in the corporate world, which we can talk about that too. When because when you say a resurgence, that means that I thought it was uh, kind of on its way out, and I do believe it was. I do believe that before the pandemic, um, I I think humor in the corporate market was in somewhat of a precarious situation because you're balancing humor with the rise in cancel culture, the Me Too movement, Mm. the Everybody's got to be happy and content and not offended. And uh, that was getting tougher, uh, tougher and tougher to go in there thinking you're going to please everybody. And I think a lot of um, I think a lot of clients were just thinking, well, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to have comedy because of that. Um, I was seeing a rise in that. And, and you know, I, it's it's interesting because I used to uh, I used to, when, when clients would say to me, you know, we, we'd love to have you, but you know, we're not a funny company or Mm -hmm. now's not, I, I would get this. Now's not a good time for us to be laughing. And I used to say, okay, well, you know, I'll call you back next year and let's, you know, I'll keep your information. And maybe if you didn't hire me in 2017, you'll hire me in 2018. I honestly, I'm, I'm starting to push back on that. And, Because in any comic will tell you, just think of how ridiculous that statement sounds. Now is not a good time for us to be laughing. You know, first of all, who are you to decide that? That's not any one person's job to take it upon themselves to decide for the whole organization. uh, We shouldn't be laughing. And, and, and And just at face value, what a ridiculous state. When is it not a good time to be laughing? You know, how many funny funerals have you been to? I've been to some hysterical funerals.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: You know, you want to say it's, uh, you know, if anything, you, you might want to say, well, a funeral is the last place you should be laughing. I don't think so. I mean, those are some of the best funerals I've ever attended. And everybody, all of a sudden, they're happy. They're not sad anymore. So if you can laugh there, you know, don't don't sit there and tell me that it's not a good time or a good place for us to be laughing. I think that's BS. Yeah, that was actually something that came up. Um, uh, someone tagged me in a LinkedIn question
0: right. someone had that was like, is it still safe? To use humor in a corporate setting when the line of what's appropriate and what's not is constantly moving.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'm actually heading out to Vegas um, uh, tomorrow and I'm speaking for the Society of Human Resource Managers, SHRM. This is their big conference. They they, they posted, canceled last year. Honestly, I have been trying to crack these people for two years. I'm very excited. I mean, this is because to me, human resources, I, I call them the gatekeepers. Uh, they are the people who, in many cases, do make the decision on whether or not I'm or certainly have some input in. And I developed a presentation uh, called You Can't Cancel Laughter. And the, the, plan, the goal of this presentation is, it's obviously, I want to make this group laugh because that's what I do. That's what we do. But, it's, but there's also going to be a lot of examples in there that basically I want them to see what a disservice they're doing if they say, oh, you know, it's not a good time to laugh. I, and, and, you know, there's no definitive answer on what's, we all know that we all struggle with that. You know, you, you've got people that say, don't say anything offensive and they walk away and you go, what what does that mean? You know? And and I've had to, you know, like I, I, here's an example, I'll give you an example. And this is something I, I struggle with all the time. I mean, I, I've done this joke for a couple of years about, um, uh, Work about doing shows for engineers and how I love them, but they're really anal because they take everything at face value. They never know when I'm telling a joke. And I, I did this story about um, speaking for a bunch of engineers in San Antonio and going to the Alamo that morning. And it's how it's a great tour, but it's very depressing because they say they this is where it ended. The settlers were trapped in here. They had no food, no water, nothing. And I said, I said if they, you know, if they, if they had just looked out the window, there's a Rucker's right across the street. And, uh, and I said, like 10 engineers came up to me after the show and said, well, you know, Greg, the Fuddruckers wasn't there back in the 18th century. Oh. And, you know, so, and this joke always works. Well, okay, so I do that joke one time and I'm doing a book signing afterwards. And this one guy comes up to me and he goes, hey man, engineer joke, not cool. Just like that, put his finger out me, not cool. And I go, what, because? And he says, I'm an engineer and we get that all the time And I'm getting kind of sick of it. I'm getting kind of sick of people. And it's offensive to me that people think we're geeks and propeller heads, which they are. But you know, anyway, it's okay. So fine. Thank you for your input. Off you went. Two people later in line, guy comes up to me. Engineer Joe. Can I use that? He goes, That's the funny. He goes, I'm an engineer. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. He goes, You nailed us and we so deserve it. What do you do? What do you do? And that's what's that is what is makes corporate comedy, I think so difficult is trying to always stay one step ahead of everybody and try to make everybody happy because all it takes is one. I mean, you know, you, you, big difference for people wanting to get into corporate comedy, you know, you, you offend people in a club or, they think you offended them in a club. You know, you, they, they go home, you go home, you that's it. That's the end. Maybe they, maybe they say you suck and I'll never see this guy again. Somebody in a corporate audience doesn't like what you said. They run to HR or could and say this guy, you know, come on, man. And heads roll and and things mm. like that. And, uh, and it's, uh, um, it's a lot of pressure, you know? I've had I've had people come up to me like 10 minutes before corporate shows and say, I hope you do well. My job is writing on this. Well, (laughs) okay. first of all, you need another job because I don't need that kind of pressure. I'm I'm trying to memorize 45 minutes of I.T. material. You know, (laughs) you, you are not my highest priority right now.
0: Yeah, that's uh, Ed Rubin asked, have you found that corporate comedy has gotten to the point where it has to be even cleaner than a clean show? And I guess it sounds yes. like that's so, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and you know what's weird is that I have seen speakers before me, including CEOs, go up and say, fuck, you know, on, on stage. And, and they don't have any problem with that. There's something about what we do mm-hmm. where we are held to different standards. And, and I think part of it, is just about every corporate client always has the horror story. They always have the, you know, we had a guy three years ago, we told him not to say this, this, so what does he do? And next yep. thing you know, he's ripping on the CEO's wife. And, you know, and unfortunately, that that makes us all look bad because they think we're all like that. They, you know, they pigeonholed us and um, it's it's kind of sad. So when one person in a corporate environment does that, it affects all of us. Yeah. Like you said, like that word of mouth, it seems like in
0: the corporate world, it's like you do a good show, you get a referral, you do a bad show. I mean, that may spread
1: even faster, you know, my, my, my manager, my ex manager, I mentioned earlier told me, um, he said, if you, he goes, go through your set list. If there's a little voice that says, you know, this might not fly. He goes, take it out. It's not worth it. That's what he said. Now, still, that doesn't mean that, you know, there's a lot of stuff I think, well, I'm not hearing the little voice and somebody else might hear it being screamed loud in their ear. But, um, you know, he, he said, because it, it's just it's just not worth it.
0: That It's so fascinating. It's like I'm 11 years into comedy. And I'm like, oh, I want to get into the corporate world. And you're talking about it like, oh, man, I. I need to get, in, I need
1: to get into like comedy clubs again. Like you're like, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, it is funny. I know. I mean, I've been doing this for so long. Um, I, I, I miss the clubs. Here's what I miss about the clubs. I miss the, not only the internet, I, I miss the, the workshop quality of clubs. It, it is, you know, the great thing about a club is you can, you can try a new 10 or a new fifteen, and if it doesn't work at the eight o'clock show, you you tinker with a little bit, and maybe you only do seven of that for the ten thirty show, and you wordsmith it. Um, very difficult to do it. a court. You can't just drop in ten new minutes. I mean, I feel like I'm dropping in ten new minutes when I'm doing customized material, but it, I think I I've, I've struggled with writing new material. Uh, that's always been a struggle for me. I, I'm not one of these guys that can just sit down and you know be funny for an hour by myself. Um, But I I think in in corporate, you just have to have your double A stuff all the way through. Mm. And part of it is, I think, the attention span. I mean, I've had people come into my shows with an open laptop, literally walk into the ballroom with their laptop open and look for, and and like, I need to sit on the end because there's an outlet over here, which is rude, but... You know, to me, if you're that busy, go back to your hotel room. But, you know, that's one thing you don't have to worry about in a club. Yeah, you might have people sneaking a peek at their phone a little bit. But, you know, the thing about corporate, we talked about working when the time of day that I work, I'm working when these people are working. Their their business has not slowed down. So, you know, you go to a comedy club, most people are off work. They're they're now there to be entertained. This is their recreation time. But when you do a show at 9.30 in the morning for a bunch of uh, stockbrokers, the markets open at 9.30 in the morning, <laughs> right? They can't shut that off. So um, th- that's, that comes with, it, again, a, its own unique set of challenges. So you better be banging them as much as you can. It sounds like, though, if it's
0: done organized and planned, right. You could have a corporate gig
1: in the morning and then in the evening you could have a comedy club gig. Yeah, I have, I have tried to do that. It doesn't always uh, work out. But the thing about clubs is the, and this is why I haven't been able to do a lot of clubs is, is, you know, clubs are four days or five days yeah. or even or that kind of thing. Now I have I've had club dates. Well, when a corporate date comes in, it's going to pay you five times that amount. Uh, what are you going to do? So I've had to cancel some, and and club bookers eventually get a little annoyed with that, and rightly so. I don't blame them. So that's why I I, I sometimes hesitate to take club dates, but but now I kind of know when the when the hot corporate months are and when the slow ones are. So I'm trying to kind of work some stuff around where it's like okay it's it's very unlikely that i'll get a corporate date in early january so yeah what are the hot months um april this again this is pre-covid so uh april october were typically some of my big months um november and december are two week months you know, first and second week. Nobody, nobody does is going to book something the week before Thanksgiving. Or very rarely, no one's going to book something after December fifteenth. Um, so, but yeah, for some reason, spring and early fall are uh, are are very popular. Don't ask me why. Summer, hit or miss. I've had great Junes and I've had empty Junes. So what? I mean,
0: you don't you don't have to say any specific numbers if you don't want to. But if you're going to Vegas for this thing, it sounds. Like it, it's going to like buy you a car basically. Like <laughs> what is the, <laughs> if you want to get into numbers, you can, because I mean, we're, we're talking shop here, but like, what, what is the price range? Even for a comic who's like, Oh, a company approached me. I don't want to undersell myself and mm-hmm. they're throwing money out there like that. What is like, what is, could you give us like a range even like high and low?
1: And like, Yeah, out? I would say anywhere between de- again, depending on the event, I would say anywhere between 2500 and 15000 um, okay. for one show. Now, again, part of that is, you know, if you've ever seen it, it, these companies, a lot of them to, to, to rent out an entire hotel, to buy a hotel, to fly people out there, to uh, wine and dine them, to have open bar, you know, do the math do the math as to how much money they're putting in here. So, you know, I, I, I think that's why, you know, I don't feel bad about saying, this is what I charge. And, you know, if I, you just rented the golf, you just bought the golf course for, <laughs> for 200 people and, and oh, you're yeah. saying to me, you know, uh, you know, can you knock a thousand dollars off your price? <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, now, but to be honest, um, there are a lot of companies that have lost a lot of money, obviously, in the pandemic, and the rules have changed. Uh, you're seeing is you're not seeing those huge uh, dollars. I don't know if you ever will. I think it'll be a very long time before mm. it gets back to pre-COVID levels, and it may never. Um, and I think, obviously, virtual has hurt that. Um, I think that is hurt it's, I think virtual has hurt our price. Because people think, well, you know, you're just you don't have to travel, so you know, you know, we don't have to pay for that, and you know, you're doing this in front of a computer. What's so tough about that? that that's that bugs me too because I, I spend just as much time prepping for a virtual show as I do for a live show, mm-hmm. probably more, probably more because I'm begging for laughs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, know? yeah. <laughs> you know that comes
1: that comes with a, a hefty price tag. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And uh, Debbie Bloom Hill asked, uh, what advice would you give to someone who would love to do corporate gigs, but does not know how to get started?
1: Yeah. Well, um, we talked about that a little bit early. Debbie, maybe you joined a little bit late. But as I said, I, th- I think video is the, is the key. You have, to, you have to get yourself a good video, and it's got to be in front of a corporate audience. It cannot be your club video, no matter how good it, it, it is. Um, and you know, if you're not sure where to make that, I mean, everybody knows somebody. Every comedian knows somebody who works in corporate America. So you offer to do a show, offer to do a free one mm. uh, for at, at your, at your Christmas party. Just make sure that your friend is okay. Just make sure you're confident enough. If you ask a friend, remember it's your friend's ass on the line. So if you're going to ask a friend, make sure that you're confident enough. Cause the, you know, that's the last thing, you know, if, if you, if, if you bomb at a corporate event, you leave, you still get paid, but but again, heads are going to roll in the in, in, back at the company. So, uh, what your performance affects an awful lot of people, uh, good or bad. Are Are there any other deliverables? Like, do we a press kit?
0: Like, do we like anything else along those lines, or is it just like we just need a good video
1: that? We... I think so. I think that's the first place people go. And um, I, you know, I I have a press kit and I have. You know, news clippings and things like that. But I, I think today people are just so visually oriented mm-hmm. um, that they that's what they want to see. They because eventually you're going to have to deliver the goods um, and they, they need examples of you doing that. Uh, you know, and, and, and I think and I also think be prepared for your corporate reel to be more than it, it can't be TikTok, it can't be 90 seconds. It, it's got to be at least, I would say, a good length would be. Free you know, now those have been dropping. My, my corporate reel used to be about nine minutes. Now it's about five, but I, I think five is a good, a good amount. And so
0: once we get this video, now what? Are we cold
1: calling people? Like what, yes. what's the yes, next you step? Are. Yes, you are cold calling. I think you are. You're in, and, and, you know, and I wish I could tell everybody, you know, just call the company and ask to speak to the person that books meetings. You know, some companies have that. Some companies have Event, you know, marketing and event staffs, not always. I mean, every, you know, some, sometimes it's the CEO who makes the decision. Sometimes it's the HR manager. Uh, sometimes it's the CFO. So that's becoming, and, and, and honestly, with everybody working from home now, uh, it's getting even more difficult to, um, it's getting even more difficult to find that person out there and to get them to return. But that, that unfortunately is the only way, is the only way to do it. Social media, yeah, I mean, I, I have, you know, for someone who's been doing this as long as I have, I have very low social media numbers. I just, I mean, I, I post stuff on social media, but to be honest, I have always, if we can talk, I don't know what your, what your opinion on this. I, I have always been very hesitant to put my material online. Um part of it is because I think in in the corporate sector, I think I do something that's just a little bit different. And I I don't want people to know my tricks uh, a little bit. Now I've kind of gotten away from that just because social media has exploded, but I think it's probably hurt. It's probably hurt my numbers maybe that I didn't, um, that maybe I didn't do that maybe when social media and things like Instagram and so forth were in their infancy. Um, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to play catch up a little bit, but I, but I don't think your social media numbers are a huge uh, deterrent or a plus, um, you know, unless it, it, it's, it's more about, again, it's more about, can you show me, me being the buyer, the, the, the client that mm-hmm. you have appeared in front of people like us before?
0: Yeah, I've 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 been more active on LinkedIn lately as well. And like, if I'm LinkedIn's looking to even great. do some networking that way, what kind yeah. of what kind of job titles am I looking for within like a company that may be, uh, the the decision maker, the gatekeeper? You mentioned human resources, all human the way resources, to the CFO maybe, but planners,
1: you know. you know, event planners. But but I, I'm gonna be honest with you on that. I mean, I I've been on site with, uh, those people. And I, I, it's amazing how many have said to me, because sometimes I'll say, how'd you, end, how'd you find me? You know, how'd you, how'd you come to hire me? And one of them said, you know, I don't know what it was about what you said, because she goes, most people who cold call and send me an email, I just delete it before I even, uh, I just delete it before I even read it. And huh, I mean, yeah, I was like, well, how do you do your, isn't it your job to actually look at this stuff? But, but I, I imagine they probably do get bombarded yeah, um, with this kind of stuff with with things from speakers. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing to do corporate comedy, but we're also in the category of a speaker. Um, and there are thousands, thousands. There's very few people who do corporate comedy, but there's thousands of speakers. And mm. when I when I'm on a bill, I, I'm not really billed as a comedian. I'm billed as a humor speaker. Um, and those guys, so I, I can see that. You know, I mean, not only do I have to convince people to hire a speaker, but then I, I have to convince them to hire a certain type of speaker, uh, that being a funny guy, as opposed to a motivational speaker or a futurist or uh, an uh, economic expert or diversity. You I mean you want to know what's hot right now? Diversity. Every company wants. I don't think they want to necessarily hire a diversity speaker i feel like they have to um right if you you were to look at any go to any corporate meeting website look at the agenda i guarantee you and just look at the speakers and look at the topic i guarantee you you're going to find the word diversity in there uh so if you're you know forget being a comedian if you can come with a diversity speech you're gonna kill it. Yeah, me talking about diversity would go over really <laughs> you go. Well. Yeah, you yeah. and me both. Yeah, the two I'm like whitest, the, opposite. The, the two whitest guys on the internet right now. Uh. It's all about diversity, kids. That's right. <laughs>
0: Hilarious. So do, yeah, do you have a script that you reach out to people with? She said, like, I don't know what it was about you. Like, do you have a certain script you follow? Uh,
1: like when I email people. Yeah, when you email people, yeah, yeah. to like
0: get their attention.
1: Yeah, I think I think what I try to do is just obviously there's links to uh, my stuff. I want them to see that right away. But I think what I like to do is just kind of pose a question in their mind. Like, why wouldn't you want to include humor? Why wouldn't you want to do this? And is not isn't wouldn't now think of all we've been through for the past 18 months who doesn't, who doesn't need a laugh right now? I know that sounds cheesy and I don't really say it that way, but that's kind of the message I try to convey mm-hmm. and, and almost put it in their lap. Like if, if, because if they say, well, we don't, that makes them sound kind of, kind of a uh, uh, morose a little bit, you know? And I want, I just want to, all you can do is, is plant, plant a seed. I think that's that's what I think I try to do is just plant a seed. And you can't really sit there and go, I'm great. And, you know, God, why you, of course, you'd want to hire me. I don't have that kind of a, I'm not that big of a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity at all. No one's heard of me. Nobody's heard of me. No one's heard of Greg Schwem. So I have to sort of start by, in, instead of, you know, you should hire Greg Schwem. People are going to go, well, who the hell is Greg Schwem? No, nope, nobody's, everybody's going to say that. So I have to just sort of plant the seed and then, then talk about what I've done you know, here's who i work worked for. So mm-hmm. now here's the, here's the seed. Here's the proof. And do you like, after the show, the show goes well,
0: are you like, do you have a script around like getting referrals or how to like a rebook or like how, how, how do you Yeah, that, that is the
1: great. That is the great. That is one of the real benefits of doing corporate. Is if it goes well, there's an awful lot of chance for spinoff business. I mean, you, I don't care how much you kick ass at a comedy club. You know, the earliest you're going to be booked back at that club is maybe six months from now. Yep. You know, you might uh, if you're really on their on their their top list. You'll get two a year, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But you do a show for Cisco out in. Uh, say Sunnyvale, California, and it goes well, then they say, oh, man, now that you just you just did our West Coast division, our East Coast division is having a similar event. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll pitch you for that. And, and that that's what's great about it. Or if you can do, you know, this, this show that I'm doing in Vegas is one of my it's going to be one of my favorite audiences, because everybody in the audience will be from a different company all right? They're not all from one organization. Those are my, if I can do associations, because then they, the dream is that I kick ass and they all go back to their individual companies and say, hire this guy. And do you
0: prompt them? Like if you're going to this event afterwards, you're networking, or you giving out cards? Like how you stay staying top of mind with these
1: people? Yeah, I, I am. Cards? I mean, I put my website up, I give out cards. I know that's kind of old school, but whatever it takes, um, I will. And just say, you know, hey, you're and I've had people and it doesn't always, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, we definitely want to use you. And a lot of times I never hear from them again. Yeah. Um, and and I, here's another thing, and this is something you have to, people change jobs so quickly now. It is, you know, when I hear, we're not going to use you this year, but you're tops on our list for next year, very rarely. I mean, I'll follow up, but it's most likely that because- like corporate event planners, that's a young person's game. Most people who do who have that job, late twenties, early thirties. So it's only natural that they're going to switch jobs. Um, it's, it's no different than, you know, you kick ass at a club, but then six months later they they have a new manager who's right. never heard, of, who's never heard of you and has right. his own stable that they like, you know, they might think you're, they, they might think, you know, I don't think you're funny. Um, you get even more now. Multiply that by ten, and that's what you get in corporate. Yeah,
0: I just did a, um, I was a role model. the The National Pediatric Cancer Foundation reached out to me okay. about working with this nine year old boy who wanted to be a comedian. Uh, so fun. I was like a role model, and I put together a show for him, and then I went to like the fundraiser, and all that was free. But then I was like, oh, how can I parlay this, or how can I spin this into something else? And it just ended like. I mean, into like a week, it, the fundraiser was just like a week ago. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I thanked them and got a testimonial from them and all of that, but I haven't tried to like parlay it or like build upon it. You know,
1: do you have any tips on maybe how I could keep build on yeah. that? Moment? Well, did you, uh, again, I, I would reach out to any medical groups. Um, I would, you know, any, anybody like that, if you did something for pediatric cancer, um, and you have a video again, do you have a clip of that? I got or a really good a video. video. I got a nine-year-old better. boy, something like that. I would yeah. just, say, you know, or, you know, I have a nonprofit rate, things like that. Here's one thing I would caution, um, and that's working for free. Um, I'm against it. Uh, I, I, I get so tired of, it. I mean, I, it, again, if that's the only way to maybe get a video, together. I got a really good video out of it. Do A free show then. Okay. I yeah. think you can get one or you have somebody with a three camera shoot then. But, um, it, it, it's starting to really blow me away. How many companies are asking us to work for free? Um, mm-hmm. I find that to be somewhat insulting and, you know, we, we are in this to make a living just like they are. And, uh, you know, and and the whole thing about, well, you know, we can't pay you, but you should, you know, here's who's going to be in the audience. This is going to be great exposure. And um, when I, my, my, my comeback line to that is, yes, it's going to expose the fact that I will work for free. And and I mean, that's kind of a sick burn, (sighs) but it's true, you know, because what they're going to do is you're going to do your free show and it's going to go well. And then people are going to come up to the person who booked it and say, God, that guy was great. What'd you pay for him? Well, we didn't pay him anything. You didn't. So why should they pay you? And you get stuck in that. Um, You know, this is the hardest. I think corporate is the hardest type of comedy to do. And I think we should be compensated for that. Plain and simple. I mean, comedy is the hardest form of entertainment to do. We should make money for it. We should make money for throwing ourselves out at the mercy of of a bunch of strangers who we are entrusted to make laugh. Why shouldn't we make money for that? preach preach mm-hmm.
0: okay yeah and it's pediatric cancer awareness month too so this could be a good time while it's top of yes, mind absolutely. but i got a really good video out of it Good, that i good i um i can start to spread around
1: post that online you should post that you know i mean really mm-hmm. why not if you've got it flaunt it
0: beautiful so let's um got a, fi- a few questions a few more questions here from uh, okay. the hopper at the verse um that i've gotten I'm getting mine out of the way,
1: but I'm like, okay, oh, great. <laughs> that's right. i the bills, y'all. If, if you know what, if I if I lose a gig and they say we hired this guy Joel from Atlanta, I'm gonna, I, I would <laughs> say, I use your be the script last, and everything. That'll be the last <laughs> podcast I
0: do. I just yes. photoshopped he, my face on your like right. corporate he gig stuff.
1: You, he said you pissed off IBM. <laughs> 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 I go leave something you a negative about, Yelp review. Something about the <laughs> Matrix, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Matrix. All right, you know what? I, I I will hunt you down, Joel Byers.
0: Hilarious! That's so funny. <laughs> oh, you mean the you hired the Greg the Matrix guy? <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but remember, Let's... I have the CIA as a client. You mentioned that. I, I have I have them in my back pocket. So for those of you who came on late, yes, I did do a show for the CIA. That is not a joke. I did a show for the CIA at CIA headquarters. Did and, you just uh, do? What'd you do for them? Oh, my gosh, it was so well, the weird thing is, and this actually became a, a regular joke is that they out of the blue, I got an email. And I, I, the joke was, do you know how close I was to sending that to my spam folder? You know, because oh. you're sitting there like, you know, you know, more sex, delete, you know, your Libyan uncle left you half a billion dollars. Oh, the CIA would like to hire me. This one looks legit, you know. So but they have this thing where they have this sort of a, a day of where they want to get everybody off of their computers and just have some fun if that's possible to do at CIA headquarters. And they, and they bring in an outside speaker and they've had sports guys and that kind of stuff. And they don't have politicians because they get enough of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
1: said, you know, we've never had a comedian, but we've, we we heard about you. And, um, you know, I just they said, just don't talk about politics. Do not talk about the president. They said we, it doesn't matter who the president is. We serve the country. And I go, yeah, I'm not a political comedian anyway. And they they were so fun. I mean, half of it was just I did jokes about what it took to get this gig, you know, and all the different stuff I had to go through in their 27-page contract as their government. And the funniest thing is they're not allowed to use their phones at CIA headquarters. As weird as that sounds, they are not allowed to use their phones. So this was like the most attentive audience that I have had. It was just... I, you talk about a get a video. I they said they were going to give me a video, and then they told me they they couldn't afterwards. And and the whole show, I'm like, this is good. I, I'm never going to have to make another video because of this show. It's like you ever been you ever filmed your set and it's going great, and there's a camera, and all of a sudden you see the red light go off. <laughs> you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like that, so I never ah. did get any footage from them.
0: Mm great resume builder though yeah so anyway what was the question so the next question um, let's see Ah, Bob Kirk's been asking a, quite a few here
1: here you go Bob thank you um,
0: he uh, he said I guess on a zoom show do you do as much time as a live show
1: no no I don't I I, I will tell clients I think 30 minutes tops. Um, I've done up to 60. It's painful. Um, I mean, obviously most of my sets in the live are between 45 minutes and an hour, but I have talked clients out of that. I have, I, you know, they've said, you know, can you do uh, what about 50 minutes? And I've said, no, you don't want me to do 50 minutes. You don't want anybody it's zoom. Yeah. And I just don't think people have that attention span. I would rather you be attentive for 30 And I'll, I'll, again, I'll bang you with my double A stuff, but if you want more, you're just, you're just drawing, you know, you're just keeping people away from checking on their children or going to get a yogurt in the refrigerator or something. So yeah, I think 30 is a good amount of time, uh, without making it seem like you're slacking off. And, uh, Bob also asked,
0: do the corporate clients give you like do's and don'ts more now? And if, uh. And if so, like examples of such.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you mentioned earlier, Joel, about my, how I prepare and I do have a questionnaire that I send out and it's really, do I get material out of it? Not really. I mean, I, I, I write my own stuff. Okay. I, I don't need, I don't really, but I do it as kind of a cover my own butt type of a thing. You know, it's important for me. It, 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 They feel like they're involved. And I want them to, one of my questions on the questionnaire is what, what have been the positives and the negatives? And please be specific. You know, what, if if you've, if you've laid off a third of your workforce, please tell me that ahead of time. Mm. So I don't even mention the word unemployment or being let go, even if it has nothing to do with you. Even if I have just some generic joke about looking for a job, If, if you're down two thirds, please tell me, um, and, um, you know, and, and they, they like that. They, they seem to like that. As far as the, the subject matter, I think most clients still are just, they'll always say we're a really conservative company, you know, and that, that, that's led to a joke too. I said, I, I'm just waiting to work for the, the bleeding heart left wing liberal that just says, "Greg, you know, Bill Maher runs on a loop in our lobby, and you know, every Friday is pants optional." And you know, <laughs> you know, I said, when, "When when I get that company, that's going to be a great show." But um, they're still pretty vague, but they are, and you know, but they're, they really do hammer hard on please, you know, nothing racist, nothing sexist, nothing with religion, no sexual orientation jokes. Mm. I've I've had that's been the rule for a lot of years but it, it's really being hammered home now.
0: All right. Yeah. that Questionnaire is a brilliant
1: idea. Goodness. Yeah. And it's, again, it's more for me. It's for, it's for my purposes uh, just so I can uh, again, kind of get a sense of where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sullivan
0: Hamilton asks, do you ever make fun of the type of company they are or the product they sell?
1: To a point. Um, I think there's a really fine line between having fun with what they do and belittling what they do. Once you start belittling them, you've lost them. Uh, you're, you're you're talking down to them. You're mocking them. I mean, th- I don't care how boring it sounds. It's what they do for a living. It's their life's work. And most companies are pretty cool about, like, I- I'll give you a good example. Um, I did a show for McDonald's years ago, and they had just had this huge bomb with this product. I don't know if it was, it was a hamburger. I think it was called... Um, Oh, it was it was the flatbread. It was like it was something flatbread. And it was just they had this huge ad campaign and it sucked. It was just it just did not sell. And they hired me to do a show. And they're like, you know, as far as material, I, I go any subjects to avoid. And they're like, OK, the, I, I, and I said, I go, what about the flatbread? I know you've gotten a lot of negative publicity. And they said, we can you want to do a couple of jokes about the flatbread? That's fine. Don't push it. That's what he said. Like, basically don't do 10 minutes on it. All right. Oh, we, we can man. all laugh at it to a point. And, um, and that's, that's try to what I do. Um, I, I kind of go in there. My, my sort of the, the kind of persona that I like to give off is I am I need this, I need this stuff explained to me. I'm sort of the dumb guy. I don't know what these widgets do. So I just know what I heard, what I read online so you tell me about it, type of thing, because this is what I've gotten. But but yeah, once you start prefacing a joke with who the hell would work for, you know, so this is what you do all day. You sit at your desk and you make widgets. Do you have any social skills that you know, once you start saying stuff like that, they're gonna get real pissy real fast, rightly so. Yes. Uh I think uh
0: two more quick ones. Um, <laughs> Debbie said. Do you send the video directly to companies or do you have your manager or you have a manager
1: do that for you? I don't have a manager, so no. Um, I will. I would send it directly to companies. If they reach out to me, I'm going to reach back directly to them.
0: Okay. And uh, the final one here from Bobby Sutton, how can I parlay producing a huge free project for the United Nations
1: into future paid gigs in the corporate world? You parlayed a producing job so you've been behind the scenes, I guess you've you've produced, but you you want to get see if you're if you're a producer, but you want to get in front, you want to be on stage uh, again. I think it still goes back to you still have to show them a video. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm sure Bobby, you're a great producer. That sounds like a really cool gig, um, and, and very a great thing for the resume. But um, I don't necessarily think that being a producer qualifies you. Per se, to suddenly say now I'm going to be funny in front of that that company. Yeah, um, just just I, for context. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm reading that the wrong way.
0: Yeah, no, it's um. I mean, for context, they um like the the culture of Hot Breath is very positive and supportive, and there's actually a member who's a member of our Facebook group who's in the UN, and okay. he he reached out to us about producing. It, the the premise keeps evolving, but it's basically um, producing some content to help them bridge the gap between like the old and young generations mm-hmm. within their 17 sustainable development goals. Okay. So we're in the middle of like producing this like comedy. We're not even, it keeps evolving skits, man on the street, like songs, yeah. whatnot, like variety show it. Uh, but basically we're producing this thing for the UN all for free mm-hmm. that um, could uh, potentially, you know, create more opportunity down the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well once I think the UN sees that the uh, how beneficial humor is, then I think you've got something there and then say look, you know, we all that stuff that we produced for you via video, we could easily do that live for you. Mm-hmm. Imagine us doing that like that's there's your in right there. You know, I mean if if you if you can make them laugh on video and just say now wouldn't you like to have some form of that you've seen that we're good comedy writers, we produce something that 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 hit that killed for your for the UN. So obviously now we know the UN, your audience likes to laugh. So now let's bring that to the stage next year. Boom. They can't say no to that. How could they say no to that?
0: Very nice.
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's good advice there. Yeah.
0: And um, yeah, that is it. Uh, Bob asked any chance of sharing your questionnaire?
1: Um, I would rather not. <sighs> Thank you, Bob. I'm sorry, but yeah. That's a good I, I question, would- Bob. I mean, good. See, there are certain that it's a sort of for the same reason that I said I was hesitant to put some of my material out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just I've worked hard to. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, your questionnaire could be one question. It could be what should what shouldn't I talk about? And two questions. What would you like me to talk about? What would make this group laugh? What do you think would make this group laugh? Um, and then what shouldn't I talk about there, Bob, there's your, there's your questionnaire. And the more you do this, you can add stuff to it.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, Greg, this has been absolute
0: gold. Everyone is saying, thank you so much. This was so helpful. It was my pleasure. Incredible information. You just, you just put on a masterclass, Greg. I mean, is there any, anything you want to promote or any way we can support you or anything
1: you know, I, I'm at, uh, I'm at gregschwem.com and my, all my social media, my Instagram, my YouTube channel is all Greg Schwemm. Uh, subscribe, please. Um, that's, as I said, that's the one thing that I feel I've sort of uh, not failed in, but I, obviously we all need social media numbers, whether we like it or not, it's part yeah. of it. So I would love subscribes. I will follow you back um reach out to me privately for stuff and just uh um that's that's pretty much it all right yeah so,
0: greg has a, a rap song on his youtube you know we're hip hoppers well, um, yeah. here at hot breath and he's got a he's got a dad really rap dug deep. that's one of my three web pages you know <laughs> no, i dug deep on this for sure <laughs> yes you did
1: yes you did
0: so thanks for uh thanks for sharing the time and thank you Hop breath first for hanging out and uh we'll be back next wednesday with another q a so have a good day everyone Thanks, Joel, it was a pleasure. There you have it, Hot Breath of Verse. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, contact Greg on LinkedIn or social media. Let him know his time was very well spent here. And if you're looking for a corporate comedian during the holiday season, holla at your boy here, Joel Byers, or maybe hit up Greg. But just know that this show grows through word of mouth. So if you found this episode helpful, tell a friend, tell a fellow comic, tell a family member, Just spread it to one person this week, and that's gonna help the Hot Breathiverse continue to expand and help people be aware of our 400 plus interviews on this show. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're doing two live streams a week, all to help you level up your comedy game. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath.